Chapter Twenty Seven of the Black Star by Johnston McCulley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. Chapter Twenty Seven, in Black Star's Hands. The man who peered through the keyhole saw a large room furnished lavishly. The furniture was massive and antique. The rugs on the floor were valuable. Tapestries of rare worth were there. Cut glass was on a heavy buffet at one side of the room. An antique lamp standing near the center of the room shed an uncertain yellow light that made some things look grotesque and others fantastic. At the end of a long table and beside this lamp stood the black star, his robe and hood and mask in place, and the star of flaming jet flashing on the hood. Behind him was the blackboard upon which he wrote orders to those of his band not enough trusted to hear his voice. To one side were six members of the band, each dressed in black robe and mask. On two chairs a short distance in front of him, their hands and feet bound and their mouths gagged, were the two prisoners of the roadster. As the man of mystery watched, one of the Black Star's followers approached the chairs, and for an instant he held a small sponge beneath the nostrils of each of the two men. He stepped back near the others. A moment passed, and then Muggs groaned and opened his eyes. Those eyes seemed to flash fire when he took in the scene. "'Well, my dear Muggs, here we are again,' the Black Star said, laughing a little. You regain consciousness a second sooner than Mr. Verbeck, as I have noticed before. That, I presume, is because you are a tougher specimen of humanity. You, you, Mug stammered. What's this? Your gag has slipped? That is well, for I was about to have it removed anyway. So you can talk, huh? Muggs waved his head from side to side and caused the gag to slip again. "'I'd talk to you with my fists if I had the chance,' Muggs said. "'There you go again. Always violence. I have wondered many times how Mr. Verbeck can put up with you.' "'Ah, Mr. Verbeck is in the land of the conscious again, I perceive.' Muggs turned his head and looked at the man beside him. Then he faced the Black Star again. "'Them ropes on his arms are too tight, and that gag's choking him,' Muggs complained. "'You treat me rough if you want, but you treat my boss decent, or I'll have something to say to you sometime.' "'You scarcely are in a position to threaten just now, Mr. Muggs,' the Black Star replied, laughing. "'However, Muggs,' It is not my intention to cause Mr. Verbeck any great degree of physical discomfort. Mental discomfort, of course, is another thing. He made a motion, and one of his men hurried forward and removed the gag. He looked at the ropes, too, but shook his head as he regained his former position at the Black Star's left. "'There, Muggs, are you satisfied?' the Black Star asked. Your beloved master has had his gag removed, and may talk or shriek to his heart's content. 
My man indicates, however, that the ropes are all right. You cannot tempt me, Muggs. Once or twice before you and Mr. Verbeck were able to unfasten your bonds. I want nothing like that to happen tonight. He walked around the end of the table and toward the two prisoners, and he laughed aloud as he looked down upon them. "'Well, Roger Verbeck, here is the Black Star's new headquarters,' he said. "'You often have wished to see the place, I believe, so take a look. "'You still think you can match wits with the Black Star, eh? "'I have done as I have threatened. "'I have had you and Muggs abducted, "'and I am going to take you along tonight when we do our little trick, "'and then leave you unconscious on the spot.' For the city to laugh at. Aren't you about ready to admit that the Black Star is too crafty for you? Scarcely, came the reply in a firm voice. Why, my men tell me it was like kidnapping babies to get you and Muggs tonight. It really was a shame to do it. So you are going to continue your efforts to capture me, huh? I am, certainly. Ah, oh, your voice almost has the note of fear in it. You do not seem as sure as you did the last time I had the pleasure of entertaining you for a few minutes. A few minutes is right, Muggs put in. You've got your dirty hands on us three times now, but you've never kept us longer than a few minutes. And you'll not keep us tonight. I fear you err, my dear Muggs. I am taking no chances with you or your precious master tonight. As I live, Mr. Verbeck, your face appears changed. Your cheeks are somewhat thinner. That comes, I suppose, from living in continual fear of me. Let me see. Um, it has been about three weeks since I informed you of my intention to abduct you and make you a laughingstock again. You've been worrying about it all that time, huh? Been fearing to sleep or eat or ride abroad? Small wonder your face is thinner and your voice expresses fatigue. He's been off his feed, Muggs blurted out, and he's had a bad cold. You needn't think me or my boss either would let anything you said throw a scare into us. Indeed. Had a bad cold, huh? I truly am sorry I did not give you this little entertainment when you were in good physical condition. But everything is prepared, Mr. Verbeck, and also you neglected to inform me you had a cold and wanted to discontinue this fight until you were better. The Black Star laughed again, as at a good joke, and Muggs growled imprecations deep down in his throat but the other man merely looked the black star straight in the eyes and remained silent. "'I trust you understand the program, Mr. Verbeck,' the master criminal went on, his laugh at an end. "'It has been about six months since you made your foolish boast that you could capture me. You should know by this time that it is an impossibility. However, you have had some excellent fun trying it, and I have enjoyed the battle immensely. But now it must end. It is getting to be a bore. Really? 
Exactly. You're a sportsman, I believe. I'll make a deal with you. If Roger Verbeck does not capture the Black Star within the next twenty-four hours, after being right here and seeing the Black Star's headquarters, and being taken by the Black Star to the scene of tonight's crime, then Roger Verbeck gives his word of honor that he'll stop his feeble attempt and not bother the Black Star more. Roger Verbeck does nothing of the sort. Still determined, huh? Very well. Then, Mr. Verbeck, we are going to take you and your man Muggs with us. We're going to give you a dose from a vapor gun and leave you where the crime is committed, as I said we'd do. We'll give the alarm ourselves and have the police find you two there unconscious. Then let the public laugh. I fancy you'll hear a howl go up for you to be ordered off the case. I'd not be surprised if you were hounded out of this town, which has been your home all your life. I think not. Which shall you do, make the deal I proposed, or be made a public laughingstock again? I make no deals with a crook. And what's more, you're wasting your breath, Muggs put in. You leave my boss alone. He's about half sick. He's said a hundred times that you'll get too fresh some day. Some day you'll overlook a bet, make a mistake, and then he'll get you. And I'll be right there, I hope, when the gettin's got. You were a very boisterous man, Muggs, the master criminal said. You'd be very vicious, I imagine, under some circumstances. Please do not be so violent. I abhor violence. "'You're right. You'll abhor it if I ever get my hands on you proper,' Muggs exclaimed. The Black Star brought the palms of his hands together sharply. "'Enough of this chatter,' he commanded. "'We have scant time before leaving here for the scene of the evening's festivities. "'You have decided, Mr. Verbeck, to be made a laughingstock? Very well.' "'And where is this to take place?' came the question. "'Ah! Roger Verbeck thinks I fear to tell him in advance, does he? "'Why, sir, I'll even tell you every detail of the proposed crime, if you wish. "'You are most certainly my prisoner, and cannot warn the police, "'and could you, it would avail those stupid police nothing.' One could steal the buttons off their uniforms, and they'd not know it until the next day. "'I'm listening.' "'Such impatience!' the Black Star exclaimed. "'Attend me closely, then, Mr. Verbeck. You also, Muggs. Little good it'll do you. It is my intention tonight to reap a harvest of some three hundred thousand dollars in money and securities.' Quite ambitious, that? Merely an ordinary task for the Black Star, I assure you. You're the original shrinkin' onion, Muggs declared. Silence, please, while I explain. The money and securities I mentioned are in the vaults of the National Trust Company. Those vaults are impregnable, it is said. 
This is a joke, of course. With us it will be as easy to get that fortune as it would be to purchase a new cravat. "'You're some modest violet,' said Muggs. "'Keep quiet, Muggs, and hear the plans,' the Black Star said, his eyes glittering through his mask. "'Within the past two months there has been formed in the city a new lodge called the Knights of Certainty. When one understands things that title is rather a good joke. Many good men have heard of the order and wondered why someone did not ask them to join, I presume. The membership was strictly limited. Members of my own band formed the lodge. "'And you're the supreme boss crook,' Muggs said. "'Another remark, Muggs, and you'll get the vapor gun. Mr. Verbeck, you'd better warn your man to remain silent.' The Black Star evidently was getting angry. Muggs turned his head and found his fellow prisoner indicating that he was to be quiet. Muggs obeyed. "'It would be a difficult task to get into a meeting of the Knights of Certainty,' the Black Star went on. "'We're mighty particular who sees things. I may mention that, from the moment we hired our hall and put in furniture, the room has been under close guard, one of our own men even doing the janitor work.' This hall is on the third floor of the American building, adjoining the National Trust Company. We have been making our preparations nightly, of course, working from our hall. Some excellent carpenter and mechanical work has been done, and now, when we wish, we have merely to pass through a wall to a stairway and then make our way over a trail we have prepared to the vaults of the bank and loot them. Everything is prepared, I assure you. At this moment my men are in the uniforms of the watchmen and doing their work. There will be no one to molest us. The vault locks have been fixed so that a few turns of the knobs will unlock them, and yet an expert would swear that time locks and other protections are in perfect working order. It has taken us some time to get this state of affairs prepared, but the reward will be well worth our trouble. The bank received a heavy gold shipment two weeks ago. Negotiable securities are piled in the vaults. The bank, in addition, always carries a heavy cash balance, for it has numerous branches and small affiliated banks. Yes, I fancy we will be well repaid for the work we have put on it. If you get the stuff said Muggs. The black star whirled toward him, and one of his men stepped forward, but the master criminal decided to let the remark pass. He walked to the head of the table and glanced at his watch. "'We start in half an hour,' he said. "'Number six, go down to the river and inform number ten to be ready to get away instantly.' Once more he faced his prisoners. "'How do you like my new headquarters?' he asked. "'Only a few chosen and trusted men of mine come here. "'This is a ramshackle old house, but I have three rooms fixed up comfortably, "'and there are things of value in it, believe me. "'I find it advisable to dispose of loot slowly. 
I'd hate to flood the market and lower prices. He laughed again and once more turned toward his men. For a moment he conversed with them in whispers, ignoring his prisoners. A bell tinkled presently. The black star touched a button on the end of the table, and a few seconds later the man who had been sent away returned. "'Everything ready, chief,' he reported in a low tone. "'Ah, number four, telephone Main 5782. Ask for Greg and say that Mr. Stewart will have four cases of eggs tomorrow. That will tell those at the other end that we are starting.' The man designated moved swiftly across the room to the telephone and sent the message. The black star waved a hand, and another man approached the two prisoners, a vapor gun in his hand. They twisted and turned in their bonds, but the gun did its work. The black star laughed again as their heads fell forward. "'Clever, Mr. Verbeck, and clever, Mr. Muggs,' he said. Their attempts to capture me are childish, to say the least. Get ready now, for we must be off. The men removed their robes and masks and put on overcoats and soft hats. The Black Star took off his robe, but his hood and mask remained in place, and the overcoat he donned had a wide collar that, when turned up, effectually hid his face. No one, without looking at him squarely under a bright light, could have seen the mask. The master criminal waved his hand, and his men picked up the two unconscious prisoners. He led the way, and they followed, and the last man out turned off the light. Their steps sounded in the front hallway, the door latch clicked, they were gone. The man who had been watching all this through the keyhole chuckled aloud now, and presently he opened the door with his key and slipped into the headquarters room. There he stood for some minutes to listen, for he wanted to be sure that he was alone in the house, and then he crossed the room to the telephone, took down the receiver, and called a number in a soft voice. The number was that of police headquarters. End of chapter 27 Recording by Roger Moline